Welcome to Wednesday Night at Faith Assembly, featuring the ministry of Senior Pastor Phil Goss. We're glad you've joined us. I want to encourage you tonight with tonight's words, so let's uh, jump right in. Uh, If you've ever heard the expression, life is tough and then you die... You know, I researched that, and I found out that there are several comedians and other people who are credited for having made that statement, but we really don't know who did. Um, But it's a pretty common statement. Life is tough, and then you die. And let me ask you a question. Is that true? Yes. (laughs) Yes, it is. Life isn't always great. Life isn't always wonderful. This is a life in a broken world. We live it the best we can, and yes, we walk in the blessings of God, and then we die. But if that's all there was, then we would be pretty miserable people. That's not all that there is. We have one glorious hope as believers tonight, and I want to encourage you with that tonight as you face the difficulties of life this evening. Take a look at Ephesians 4. It's in your notes and on the screen. Therefore, I, Paul, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love, and I will add, for one another. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. And here's how you do it, or here's why you do it. For there is one body, the body of Christ, and one Spirit, just as, there, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. Life is tough, and then you die, but you die to a glorious hope. And that hope can really help us during the hard times. It should, because we spend so much time investing our lives in this world and in this life that when it doesn't go so great, we need to be reminded about the great life, the great and glorious life that's to come. Now, a lot of the verses that we're going to look at tonight, quite frankly, are verses that, that I might read at a funeral if I was doing a funeral for someone, because they, they do encourage us about the life that's to come. But you don't have to die for these to give you great hope, so let's plow through them. So Ephesians 1.4 says, even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Skipping down to verse 18, so I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope given to those he has called, God's holy people, who are his rich and glorious inheritance. God knows you're going to go through a hard time, but he has a wonderful life waiting for every believer after this one is over. It's a hope that we are called to, an inheritance that God wants to give each and every one of us. And it's not just to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. When I do a funeral, that's one of the things I make sure people understand. In a believer's life, he's, he's not here, he's absent from his body, but present with the Lord. And by the way, if you ever do need some encouragement, think about what that must be like for the ones you care about, for the ones you love who are with the Lord. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has even comprehended what God has prepared for those who love him. And so it's all of that But it's more than that, because the ones we care about, they're with the Lord right now, and that's kind of a temporary thing, because we're moving toward an even greater hope, the resurrection. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. 
But it's the hope of resurrection that really brings us hope that we're called for. It's our one glorious hope. So let's look at, revelation, at, at resurrection. Resurrection is at the core of the traditional Jewish doctrine. The Jews before Christ believed in the resurrection. Did you know that? In fact, what they believe very, very closely parallels what we believe. They believe that the temple will be re- rebuilt in Jerusalem, that the Jewish people will be gathered from the four corners of the earth, and uh, that the bodies of the dead will be brought back to life and reunited with their souls. Does that sound familiar to you tonight? Yes. It's just that they're missing the next piece, the last piece, which is when the dead in Christ rise, are resurrected, and we all meet the Lord in the air. Resurrection is something that all of God's people understand in general, but that we can know more of in specific from God's word tonight. Resurrection of the Messiah, first of all, is the cornerstone of our understanding and our hope for our resurrection. His resurrection was prophesied in the Old Testament. Look at Psalm 16. David said, I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad, and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave or abandon or leave behind my soul among the dead. He's speaking of himself, David is. Or allow your Holy One not speaking of himself, but speaking of his descendant, Jesus, to come, or to allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. The term, your Holy One, is unique, uh, a unique title, messianic title, that never in the Old Testament refers to David. So when he's talking about, you won't leave your servant to rot in the ground, he's not talking about himself. He's talking about the, the one to come. In other words, David envisioned the resurrection of Christ and the resurrection of himself. David envisioned it back in those days. What did he base that trust in? 2 Samuel 7, 11. It's a, it's a covenant that God made with David. It says, furthermore, the Lord declares that he will make David a house for you, a dynasty of kings. For when you die and are buried with your ancestors, I will raise up one of your descendants, we know that's Jesus, your own offspring, and I will make his kingdom strong. Verse 13, he is the one who will build a house, a temple for my name, and I will secure his royal throne forever. What does forever mean? Never ending. If Jesus were to die and not be resurrected, God couldn't make that promise. I will secure his royal throne. Your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. So David's resurrection is guaranteed by God's raising of his Holy One, the Messiah. Isaiah 53.10 predicts it again, but it was the Lord, Yahweh's good plan to crush him, speaking of Jesus, and to cause him grief. That was God's plan that Jesus submitted to and came to do. And yet, when his life is made for an offering for sin, he'll have many descendants. That doesn't mean flesh and blood children. That means you and me. He'll enjoy a long life eternally, And the Lord, uh, Yahweh's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. Think about that right now. Jesus is satisfied that the anguish that he went through produced something really wonderful. And because of of his experience, my righteous servant, Jesus, will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. That's you and me. 
So the first thing that happened when Jesus died is that we're made righteous. But the next thing is that he was resurrected. So that, we'll talk about it in a few minutes. Old Testament is clear about the resurrection, the coming resurrection of Jesus. But did you know, it even talks about the resurrection that you and I will go through. Look at Daniel 12. At that time, Michael, speaking of the end times, the archangel who stands guard over your nation will arise. Then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, every one of your people whose name is written in the book will be rescued. Many of those whose bodies lie dead and are buried will rise up. That's resurrection, to rise up. And some, they'll rise up to everlasting life, and some will rise up to shame and everlasting disgrace. So those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky, and those who lead many to righteous will shine like the stars forever because everybody is going to rise to one thing or another. So what is our as believers, what is our glorious hope for the future? What have we been told in God's word? I'm glad that you asked that question. First of all, Christ's resurrection is foundational to understanding ours. We can't understand how we're gonna be resurrected without understanding how he was. Resurrection of Christ is the centerpiece of the gospels. It's an important thing. Romans 10:9. if you believe that Jesus is God's son and that God, what? Raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. Believing that Jesus rose from the dead is as important to our salvation as believing that he's God. So resurrection is an important thing. It's a very important thing, and it's, it's foundational to the understanding of ours. Romans 4.25, he was handed over to die because of our sins. He was raised to life, resurrected to make us right with God. 1 Corinthians 15, for if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ hasn't been raised, then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God, for we've said that God raised Christ from the grave. But that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And and vice versa. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless and you are still guilty in your sins. Paul is making sure we understand that if Christ had not been resurrected, you and I would still stand guilty. Is the resurrection of Christ important to believe in? Yes, it's pivotal to our hope. In that case, verse 18 says, all who have died believing in Christ are lost. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But guess what? We have one glorious hope. It's the resurrection. The resurrection confirms that Jesus was who he claimed to be, number one. It proved that he was divine, Romans 1.4. And he was shown or proven to be the Son of God when he was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is Jesus Christ, our Lord. It proved that he was divine. The resurrection revealed Christ's power over death. Romans 6, 9. We're sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. His resurrection proves that he has power over death. I need him to have that power. Do you? Yeah, we really, really do. The resurrection defeated God's enemy so that we don't have to fear Satan or any evil thing. 
Again, Hebrews 2.14, because God's children are human being, beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood, for only as a human being could he die. Well, that makes sense, right? He was God. He couldn't die. So he became a human being. Only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Friends, if you're afraid of dying and you're a believer, give it up. Let that fear go. Jesus came so we would not have to fear dying. Now, dying's not the same as being resurrected. That comes a little bit later. Because a resurrection is the completion of our redemption. God doesn't want to just forgive you of your sins. He wants to redeem you. He wants to redeem your life. 1 Peter 1.3, all praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's by his great mercy that we've been born again because God raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. We live with great hope because of it, because God raised Christ from the dead, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation. And by that, the Bible means in its fullness. Right here on earth, if you've made Jesus Lord in your life, you're saved, right? The day that you did that, you were saved. Today, you are in the process of being saved, and you will receive the fullness of your salvation when you are resurrected and living in the presence of Almighty God. It's a progressive thing. You're saved right now. You're going to be fully saved on that day. That's what the Scripture is saying. He will protect you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all of us to see. So we will die, but we will live, Romans 8.10. And Christ lives within you, so even though your body will die because of sin, the Spirit gives you life because you've been made right with God. The Spirit of God, who raised Christ from the dead, lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to you. He will resurrect your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. In you, what a great and glorious hope that we have. The hope of resurrection, and it's ours. Our great hope is not being absent from the body and present with the Lord, which is temporary. Our great hope is that with the forgiveness of sins, the savings of our soul from eternal punishment, the removal of our, our brokenness and our propensity toward evil, all of that will be done away with when we are resurrected, raised back up to be like God intended us to be. Manufacturers reset. That's what resurrection is going to do for each and every one of us. Our total and complete restoration as we are totally resurrected in our body. It's in those bodies that we'll be able to live free from pain, free from aging, free from physical defects and their limitations, free from sickness, free from the pull of sin, free from the fear of death. It's a great and glorious hope. So I did not put in your notes because this is lengthy, but you can now turn your attention to the screen. I'm just going to read through some of the really lengthy but encouraging things that will give you a glimpse of what, of what resurrection is like and what it's going to be like for each of us. First Thessalonians 4.13, you can read it at home again, I hope you, I hope you will. 
And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. That is their spiritual, the spirit part of the believers. We tell you this directly from the Lord. In other words, the Lord told us directly to tell you. We believers who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Now, don't get stuck on this. Does that mean, does that mean gra- graves are going to pop open and bodies are coming? God's not limited. In fact, God's, God's not worried about your body. For some of us, there's not going to be anything left anyway. But, but symbolically, their spirits will rise from death and they will be given new resurrected bodies. They get to go first. They left first. They get to go first. And then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other. Put courage in each other. Put hope in each other with these words. What words? The words that just told you what's going to happen. That it's not the end. That you, yes, life is tough and then you die, but then you live. It's a great and glorious hope. This one is in your notes, 1 Thessalonians 5. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. It's a great hope. What will that resurrection be like? Again, on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15. Someone may ask, how will the dead be raised? What kind of bodies will they have? What a foolish question. Now, can I just pause, pause for a minute? I think it's a really good question. <laughs> I don't know about you. But, but Paul is saying it's a foolish question because it's, it's really, you don't need to worry about that. What a foolish question. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first. And what you put in the ground is not the plant that will grow, but only a bare seed of wheat or whatever you're planting. Then God gives it the new body he wants it to have. A different plant grows from each kind of seed. Similarly, there are different kinds of flesh, one kind for human, one kind for animals, one kind for birds, and another for fish. Can I just stop here for a minute? This is one of the most wonderful verses to refute the idea of coming back as a sacred cow. Paul is saying, you, you will, there are different kinds of bodies but only one kind of body is going to come from the kind of yours that is planted in the ground. Of course, there are different kinds. It says in verse 40, there are also bodies in the heavens and bodies on the earth. What's he talking about? The angels have bodies. They live in the heavens, right? So they have different bodies than you and I do. He's just kind of drawing the, he's just helping us to understand there are different kinds of bodies that are out there. The glory of the heavenly bodies, in other words, angelic bodies, is different from the glory of earthly bodies. The sun has one kind of glory, the moon and stars have another kind, and even the stars differ from one another in their glory. It's the same with the resurrection of the dead. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. That word raised in the, in the Greek 
means basically to rise up from a sleeping posture. He wants us to understand that those who sleep will rise up. Our bodies are buried in brokenness. Some translations say dishonor. They're busted up. They're not worth a whole lot when we die, and they are buried in brokenness, subject to various humiliations like disease and injury or decay. But, he says, they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They're buried as natural human bodies. Here you go. Here's a glimpse of it. But they will be raised as spiritual bodies. Please note, it doesn't say as a spirit to float around. It says a spiritual body, a body more like what angels have, a body more like what beings in the heavenlies have, not like the body like I have. Please, when you get to heaven and you think you see George Clooney walking down the streets of heaven, would you stop and ask if it's me? Because that's the kind of body I'm, that's what I'm going to look like when I get to heaven. Isn't that ridiculous? We all want to be something that we're not. Here's the thing. We have no idea what those bodies are going to be like, but they're not going to be like these. That's what Paul is saying. It's not going to be like the one you have. It's going to be like one of those. And we'll find out what that is when we get there. They are buried in weakness. They will be raised in strength. They are buried as human bodies, but raised as spiritual bodies. Because just like there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. Paul goes on in verse 45. Scriptures tell us the first man, Adam, became a living person. But the last Adam, that is Christ, symbolically, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first in our lives, in other words, when you're born, is the natural body. You all got one when you were born. But then the spiritual body, the one that you'll get after you die, that comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, Adam, and heavenly people are like the heavenly man, Jesus. Just as we are now like the earthly man, we will someday be like the heavenly man. What a glorious hope. Isn't that awesome? Is that worth looking forward to? Can that help you through the hard times for a little while? So not merely uh, the resurrection of the human, is, it, is, the, is the resurrection of the human body possible but the resurrection of our human bodies is necessary for us to be able to spend eternity in heaven. To live in eternity, you have to give up this flesh and blood body. You can't go there like this. So you're going to have to get rid of it so that you can gain the new body that's coming. Paul goes on in verse 51, let me reveal to you concerning that a wonderful secret. The word secret here really means mystery, something that's hard to understand. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed, resurrected, changed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised, resurrected to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. Must be being the operative phrase there. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture then will be fulfilled. Death 
is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. If you don't remember anything tonight, please remember, Jesus died and was resurrected. He is a picture of what will happen to us. We will, most of us, die. Resurrection is what comes later. He's a picture. If you wonder what that's going to be like, he's a picture of what that is going to be for each of us who have made Jesus the Lord of our life. So resurrection is the glorious hope. Not just that my sins are forgiven and one day I'll spend time in heaven, but I'll have the body that allows me to live in heaven without worrying about sin forevermore. It's a hope based on Jesus' plan and our provision to be with him. Look at John 17. Father, he prayed, I want these whom you've given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Jesus wants you in heaven and wants you to be transformed. John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and also trust in me, Jesus said. There, there's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you I'm going to prepare a place for you? Now listen to this. When everything is ready, I will come and get you so that you may be with me where I am. Friends, Jesus wants you to live with him forever in your resurrected body. That resurrection fuels our confidence, Hebrews 6.18. So God has given us both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence, great hope as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. God wants us to be emotionally anchored in the great hope of resurrection. It also incentivizes us. It, it gives us a reason for striving and doing things. First John 3, see how very much our Father loves us, for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we're God's children because well, they don't know him. Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we will be like when Christ appears. But we do know that we will be like Christ, for we will see him as he really is. And everyone who has this hope, this eager expectation, will keep themselves pure. It's giving us incentive to keep ourselves pure so that we are ready walking worthy of God's call to meet him on that day. Titus 2, and we are instructed to turn from godless living and sinful pleasures. We should live in this evil world with wisdom, righteousness, and devotion to God while we look forward with hope to that wonderful day when the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, will be revealed. Now, friends, I need to keep clear in your thinking that the resurrection that Jesus made possible is not the hope of the world. It's the hope of the believer. The world does not have the hope that you and I have for the resurrection. The hope of the world was the first coming of Jesus that set the stage, that made possible hope that the one glorious hope could be made available to everyone. 
but only those who have appropriated the forgiveness of God and knelt in lordship, in, in submission to the lordship of Jesus Christ, have that great and glorious hope. So can I take just a minute, because it matters for eternity, to ask you tonight, do you have the hope that comes in knowing that Jesus came? Or do you have the glorious hope that because you have by faith received forgiveness and salvation, that the glorious hope of a res- resurrected body for you one day can be yours. Please, don't wait one minute to get that decision sealed. This is your moment. This is your time. You can, in a split second, enjoy and have that glorious hope that believers have. The hope not that Jesus came, but the hope that Jesus was resurrected. And because of that, we will be resurrected to live with him forever. Because here's the truth. Life is tough, and then we die. But for the believer, then we live, and we are resurrected. And it's a great and glorious hope, and we need hope, don't we? In this day and age, with as crazy as things are, we need to know. Sometimes you look at things and think, I can't, are things ever going to get better? Are things ever, doesn't matter, because we're not going to live on this earth forever anyway. Our great and glorious hope is in what comes next, 2 Corinthians 4. We know that God, who raised the Lord Jesus, will also raise us with Jesus and present us to himself together with you. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving, and God will receive more and more glory because of it. That's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, comparatively speaking. Yet, those troubles produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and that will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things that we see now will soon be gone. But the things that we cannot see, (laughs) those things will last forever. And it's a great and glorious hope, and it's yours, and it's mine. If you're here tonight, and you're a believer, and you've lost a loved one, sickness, cancer, pandemic, you have hope. You have a glorious hope that one day you will be resurrected and spend an eternity in heaven with those who also gave their hearts and lives to Jesus and are waiting for us to all be resurrected on that great day. That's a great hope. That's the encouragement that each of us gets when those times come. For believers who are suffering illness, you're struggling and you're suffering, you have one great glorious hope. This pain, this sorrow, this problem will not last forever. There's a great new wonderful life and a resurrected body ahead, and it gives us hope today. For those believers who are struggling with depression and anxiety uncertainty, stress, hopelessness for a better world, we have one glorious hope. And it is a great hope. It's the resurrection. It's a life lived in eternity with God as we are given new bodies that are free of all of these things, resurrected bodies that will help us to live a life in the presence of God forever and ever. We bow your heads tonight. Lord, we thank you
for that great and glorious hope that you have given to us. It's not a hope so. It's a confident expectation that just as you raised Christ from the dead, you will raise us from the dead, and we will be raised incorruptible, free from the ravages of sin, free from temptation of sin, free from sickness and disease and age and all of those things. God, it is a great and glorious hope, and we thank you that it was provided to us by the resurrection of Jesus, who waits now for us to come to be resurrected and to live with him forever. May that hope, that one glorious hope, power us and push us through the days ahead. May it be the strength that we need on days when we are weak and discouraged and struggling and suffering and sad and anxious. We thank you, Lord, that in those moments, we can be reminded that we have one glorious hope. And for every one of us who believes, it is our great and glorious hope. We thank you for it. We rest in it tonight, and we give you glory for it. In Jesus' name, you can say it. Amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.